Hey, how's everybody's summers going? Anybody take any cool trips? Kevin, have you gone anywhere interesting? We did. Oh yeah? Yes. Tell us. We went to Providence, Rhode Island. And New York and Boston. And you saw a really I cool concert? I did, we saw Toby Mac in concert. Um, at one of those early morning TV shows. It's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. And you were on TV, right? Yes. And you're gonna send an email with <laughs> the video to everybody? We rough, man. We got <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't even know if I brushed my teeth before we left. <laughs> were, you, were you wearing your shirt? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this... Nobody watches Fox News anymore, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I ask that because this is how I start Kids Church every week. Is, hey, what's been going on? Anybody do anything fun? And I think it works just as well with adults. So thank you for, for sharing. Um, so let's open with a word of prayer since we're in the house of God. Uh, Lord, just thank you for today. Uh, thank you for this uh, warm weather um, that causes the plants to grow and your nature to flourish. Um, we thank you for this air conditioning as well. We can come here and, and be comfortable as we... Um, sharing your word. We pray for those of our body who are out traveling today, traveling back from a mission trip and just putting themselves out there for you and really putting their lives on the line, going through some really difficult things and, um, and some growing things. And we just thank you for bringing them back. Please bring them back safely to us. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're doing a sermon series on movies, and I thought real long and hard about what movie to pick some biblical nuggets from to share with you. And I had a really tough time with that. I, I just, I could not figure out, because I don't really watch very many movies since we started having kids 13 years ago. It seems like just what I've seen, like people are always like, Dave, have you seen X? Have you seen this? Have you seen Y? Have you seen Z? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I'm like one of those boring guys probably out there because I haven't seen hardly any movies. I've seen the new Star Wars movies, but I haven't seen the Solo movie yet. So, But everything up to there, I'm good. Just about anything else I haven't seen. <laughs> so this was a little bit of a challenge. So I had to reach back to when I did watch movies back in the 90s. Um, so some of y'all weren't even born there uh, then. And I picked a movie uh, in... As soon as I got it, started digging into it, remembered some pieces of it, I was like, that's exactly what um, would be a good word for the church. And I prayed over it, and God was like, yeah, go ahead and teach on it. Now, it is, I believe, a rated R movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend trying to find a uh, censored PG version of it because I think there's some pretty raunchy parts, <laughs> to be honest. So we're not going to show the movie tonight. But it's, it's called Jerry Maguire. Has anybody seen it from a long time ago? Well, it's a great movie for some some reasons, and I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, so, anyways, um, I'm going to give you a little synopsis of it. Jerry Maguire's Tom Cruise. Uh, he's a successful sports agent. Uh, the, the biggest clients, the respect, he's got a beautiful fiance, until one night he questions his purpose, his place in all the world, and finally comes to terms what's wrong with his career and his life. Recording all his thoughts in a mission statement, Jerry feels he has a new lease on life. Unfortunately, his opinions are met with 
aren't met with enthusiasm from his superiors, and after dishonorably being stripped of his high-earning clients and elite status within the agency, Jerry steps out into the sports business armed with only one volatile client, Cuba Gooding, Gooding Jr., and the only person with belief in his abilities, Renee Zellweger, and the impossible task of rebuilding what he once had. Along the way, he, he faces the harsh truths which he'd ignored in the past and a host of hardships that he'd never faced before. That's sort of the synopsis to the movie. But basically, you got Tom Cruise. He's acting as a sports agent, you know, very successful. He's in his mid-30s. And he just all of a sudden wakes up one day and he's like, what, what is this all about? This is not the way I want to live my life. And um, the guy that wrote this movie is Cameron Crowe. And Cameron Crowe wrote a 25-page mission statement and picked pieces of it for the movie. But he wrote 25 pages of a mission statement just for this movie to kind of draw. This was sort of the impetus for the whole movie. Um, it's only briefly mentioned in the film. And it's a key turning point at the beginning, and it sets everything in motion. But it's kind of interesting to me that a writer would write 25 pages and only take like snippets. And we're going we're gonna to look at that here in a second. Um, but this mission statement was reportedly influenced by a memo statement sent, by, sent out by Jeffrey Katzenberg in 1991 when he was the head of Disney. And Katzenberg wrote an epic 28-page memo, and it's, it's on the internet if you want to look at it. It's calling for Disney to return to its roots. Less reliance on movie stars and spectacle, more focus on storytelling. So basically, he felt like we, they were going the completely wrong direction, and, and this was a callback to the roots of what made Disney successful. At the time, Jeffrey was exasperated with Dick Tracy. It was a star-filled comic book adaptation that cost about $100 million to produce um, in you know, 1991. And like McGuire, Katzenberg's memo had its critics and fans. In fact, he left uh, Disney just a few years later. We'll talk a little bit more about, about that. Uh, but why don't we show this clip? I believe it's clean. There's no kids in here, so let's go ahead and give it a shot. And then we can talk about it. I began writing what they call a mission statement. Not a memo, a mission statement. You know, a suggestion for the future of our company. A night like this doesn't come along very often. I seized it. What started out as one page became 25. Suddenly, I was my father's son again. I was remembering the simple pleasures of this job. How I ended up here out of law school. The way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the field. The way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury. With so many clients, we had forgotten what was important. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I'm not even a writer. I was remembering even the words of the original sports agent, my mentor, the late, great Dickie Fox, who said, The key to this business is personal relationships. Suddenly, it was all pretty clear. The answer was fewer clients. Less money. All right. So that's the main character, uh, Tom Cruise, who's Jerry Maguire. And one thing I want to call your attention to is what he mentioned um, about relationships. This was a industry, or this, this company that he worked for, was basically built 
long time ago, and its original mission statement was, let's work with sports athletes to give them a good living, to give them a fair wage. And sports over the years, as you've probably aware, has become a real big money-making industry. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, if not trillion, if you look at all the major sports, in the, at least in the United States, but um, I believe in the world, uh, the highest, pay, highest paid sports people aren't even in the US. I believe they're soccer athletes, tennis stars, golf stars. Um, it's, it's just a huge industry. And so you have these people, sports agents, that help these uh, athletes get noticed, get signed, get the most for their, for their talents. Um, and so it's really a cutthroat, highly competitive, the sports agent industry is just as competitive as the, the, um, the actual athletes playing sports themselves. And so it, the movie basically starts out by, with the emphasis on saying the sports agency that Jerry Maguire works for, it's all about the money. And, he's, and if you look at what Jerry says to people, um, so, hey, bro, you're doing great. You're doing great. Whenever you retire, yeah, I'll come, I'll come and you know, go to your kids' graduations. Yeah, we're buddies. Never happens. So they just talk the talk when it comes to relationships in order to basically bring these athletes in to make money. And they just had more and more athletes coming through the agencies and not enough people who would spend time to get to know them on a personal level. So that's the problem. And that's really the impetus behind this mission statement. So when you think about that and you think, well, Dave, what, where are you going with this? What biblical application or, or how, are you tying, how are you gonna tie this into the uh, Holy Bible here? And what, I, what I'm actually gonna lead you to is Ecclesiastes, which is one of the books of wisdom. So if y'all have your Bibles, let's open it up. We're gonna jump around a little bit, but that's really the core. Um, most of it written by King Solomon. Um, the key theme throughout uh, most of the chapters of Ecclesiastes is meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Sort of the theme is this life is meaningless. Um, and it isn't until you get to the end till you really see uh, what, what we should, or how we should look at Ecclesiastes as a whole. But let's kind of read through Ecclesiastes chapter one here, because I, I just want to read it just to see what effect it has on you. Um, so I'm going to start in chapter one. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the north and turns, or blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are worrisome, or wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one could say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. 
and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is the chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow and, and, and the more knowledge, the more grief. Now that, you know, this is one of the most interesting books in the Bible to me because it really kind of starts out as a guy just saying, wow, here I am. I don't know how old he is at this point, but, you know, he's, he says he's, he's seen lots of things under the sun. He's gained in wisdom, and he's just very negative and kind of whiny a little bit. Just, ah, wow, everything I've done, everything I've built, what does it all mean? What's, what's, what's the point? Um, part of what I want to do is, is tie in um, the big picture here of what is he really talking about? Is he talking about eternity or is he talking about the here and now on this earth? He's really talking about the here and now. He's looking at, at the earth. He says, the earth goes round and round. Nothing's new. He's talking about our lives here today. Um, and in fact, if you look at verse 11, no one remembers the former generations, even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Well, we're all students of history. We know people who've, who've been important in the past, even to us. Um, raise your hand if you can, if, if you can name all of your grandparents by first and last name. Now, how about who can name all eight of their great grandparents? You can? Wow, that's impressive. If you do this in a group of like 100 people, they're probably only one of those. And so the point being, um, those are people that are just three generations removed, our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and we don't even know their names. Not that they did not have a great legacy of faith and character that built us in who we are. It's important where we came from. And in fact, if you read more of the Bible and Proverbs, they say that, that um, really who we are today, a lot, of, a lot of it comes from our parents, our grandparents. They, they build into us. If you have people who haven't had parents or grandparents or anybody to kind of guide them, um, there's, there's effects from that. And there's people like us in the church who need to come together to become parents and grandparents to those who don't have any. Um, hence one of the reasons why we put such an emphasis on um, agencies for fostering and, and for missions because we want to see God's, God's gift given to not just us. We want to see it, it, the light of Christ shine in the world. But just think about that. Our legacy is not in our name. It's not in Borsky. My last name is Borsky. Um, I can't name all my great-grandparents. I, I think I can maybe name one of them, to be honest with you. Um, but our legacy is a building block. So the point being, when we live our lives and we pass down our heritage of faith to our children and their grandchildren, they won't necessarily know that it was Kevin Rodriguez or Donnie Wilkinson 
who was my great-grandparent, but they may have a very strong parent or father figure in their life who can teach them the ways of Christ and of God. So that's what we want to do. We want to build that history and that legacy of faith and build character into those that we have influence over. But the legacy won't be in our name. It won't be Dave Borsky was my great-grandparent, and that's why I'm, you know, whatever I am. So point being, going back to here, if you're chasing legacy, if you're chasing success, if you're chasing fame, if no matter what you're chasing on earth, uh, King Solomon sees it as somewhat of a, uh, a chasing after a wind, he says, or, or meaningless task. But he's really talking about um, here on earth. Now let me, let me give you some of this very interesting mission statement because the mission statement that Jerry Maguire gave is actually all on the internet. It's not in the uh, movie. <laughs> I think that's about all that you saw, just those little clips of it. I didn't go back to watch the movie to verify that, but there's very little of it. But if you read it, it's actually very, very interesting. Um, he says, even in my own life, after 35 years, I feel that I've never done that one thing, that noble thing that defines a life. Even writing this mission statement is odd for me. I'm used to flying below the radar, enjoying my life and my friends, but I have not been truly tested. I have not gone to India to explore my life as my brother has. I have not been in a major car accident or fathered a child. I have not created a life, nor have I killed anyone. I'm neutral. I haven't started a war and I haven't stopped a war. I have broken even with my life. I have a nice home, a nice car, a fiance who makes my heart race, but I've not taken that step, that risk, any risk that makes the air that I've breathed for 35 years worthwhile. I once had a yellow couch. I got rid of it because it was neutral. My life is now like that yellow couch. So Jerry Maguire is at a point where he's, he's realizing that his life has been meaningless. And so at church, I got to tell you that that's, you know, that's not, um, that's not something that we should feel and think that we're the first person to feel that because King Solomon, um, the wisest man on earth at his time, um, son of David, thought his life was meaningless at the end of it and, and, is, and is really wrestling with it. So if you ever feel like life is meaningless or you're struggling with it, um, you're not alone. Okay, so... We've really hit that hard. So here's some other um, points. One is when we talk about riches, because this movie is all about how they attain wealth and what's the right way to go about it, what's, what's the wrong way to go about it. Um, Jerry Maguire said, well, we are losing our battle with all that is personal and real about our business. Every day I can look at a list of phone calls only partially returned. Driving home, I think of what was not accomplished instead of what was accomplished. The gnawing feeling continues. The families are sitting waiting for a call from us, waiting to hear the, the word on a contract or general manager's thoughts on an upcoming season. We are pushing numbers around, doing our best, but is there any real satisfaction in success without pride? Is there any real satisfaction in a success that exists only when we push the messiness of real human contact from our lives and minds? When we learn not to care enough about the very guy we promised the world to, just to get him to sign, or to let it bother us that a hockey player's son is worried about his dad getting that fifth concussion. 
So one key sentence in there I want to draw your attention to is, is there any real satisfaction in a success that exists only when we push the messiness of real human contact from our lives and minds? Now, I'm an introvert. Um, so when we're done with this, we go to Chick-fil-A. I love talking to people, but to be honest with you, at the end of the day, my energy level goes down, 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 <laughs> the more I'm talking to people. Um, I can really relate to this, um, this comment about the messiness of real human contact. I know some of y'all are introverts, you're probably like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, us introverts usually don't end up preaching because it's just talking in front of a group isn't our thing. But, you know, God calls elders to be able to teach, so here I am. Um, but as you probably know, you're all old enough, human relationships are messy. and Some of them can be downright dangerous. Um, and so in this business situation that Jerry's going through, they're pushing aside the personal relationships and they're just trying to win people over through subterfuge, through lies, through salesmanship. And they're not going to follow through on any of the personal stuff that they've promised. They're just going to follow through on getting the biggest contract they can so they can take the biggest slice of the pie at the end of the day. And Jerry sees that as a problem in a meaning and just he thinks, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4 through 11, I can read it. Uh, if y'all want to flip to it, you're welcome. Now, this is King Solomon, not Jerry Maguire, but listen. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flowering trees. I bought male and female slaves, had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, but the lights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Now, verse 11, listen up. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. I don't know how many of y'all have done it all. I, know, I do know some people who I would say, if we looked at them, could say they've done it all. They've, they're financially set. Their kids' colleges are paid for. They've got the biggest house. It's paid off. They got whatever car they want. It's paid off. I know some of these people personally. Um, you know, I think we like to think that if we get to that position where we don't have to worry about anything financially, that we would say, ah, I could rest now. My, it's been my well, it's been my experience. I'll, I'll go with that first. But some of these people are the most stressed out people you will ever run into. Um, they worry a lot. It seems like the phrase "mo money, mo problems" is real. I've seen it. Um, I have seen people who have lots of money who aren't like that. Um, they are generally very strong believers who are very generous, who are just, they've got their priorities straight. And they know that their source of security is not in the money. You know what I'm saying? 
by how much I see them give, I, I know that their security is not in their money. And there's nothing wrong with making money. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But listen to King Solomon. He had everything. He had, he had more than anybody we all know put together, probably. And he said, everything was meaningless, the chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained. Nothing. Absolutely nothing was gained. So if King Solomon says this, and he's the wisest man, and I don't know if y'all have the same story or same observations I do. I, I'm lucky to be in a place where I, I know some business people who are very, very successful. Uh, and I also know some people who don't have much that are you know, just happy. I remember we went on a mission trip, um, 2000, somewhere around there, 2002. We went to uh, a town near Rio Bravo, near the, near the border, and built the house for a family. And I'll tell you what, these people had houses that were like the shed in my backyard. No, no insulation, just a window. Uh, they did have a roof over their head. They had rainwater, no electricity. And these people were just, uh, I mean, they were very thankful, very happy. I couldn't believe it. And two streets over, you have this mansion. There's just such an income disparity in these border towns. That I was just really taken aback. I mean, for me, the biggest thing I took away from the mission trip was just how, how people with so little can, can be so sufficient and thankful. I, I was just blown away. Um, I know a lot more people who have a lot more money than that who have a lot more problems. More money, more problems. Um, wow, there's just so much to talk about. In order to get to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to go a little bit faster. <laughs> um, there's other verses that, that, that hit on this uh, phrase about going after money for money's sake is meaningless. Um, Proverbs 23, 4 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. And 1 Timothy 6 says, uh, verses 9 10 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evils. Notice he says a love of money, not money in itself. Remember I said I, had, I, I know some people who have lots and lots of money. Who are, who are very strong believers. They give a lot of that money away, um, and they don't flaunt it. They, they have a different way of using it. Money is really a tool. Um, it's a tool really given by God. It's, it's commerce. It's, it's, uh, it's really how the world works today, and there's, there's biblical basis for it, for paying taxes, for paying debts, um, for giving people what they're owed. Um, money has a use, and it's, it's a biblical thing. I have a company that I named Talentum Engineering Services. Talentum is the ancient Greek word for talents, which is the talent, um, the parable of the talents in the New Testament. Um, that's the reason why the company exists is to make use of money. It's not to get rich. It's, it's to get it, to do something with it, and provide a service. It's to pay people. It's to have people have good salaries. It's to have customers have good products. That's what, that's what it is. Um, I know other people who have businesses like that. I know other people who have businesses where they take everything they can get and they give as little, few benefits and salaries as they can. Oh, well, where's my soapbox? I need to kick it and get out, get off of it. Um, but let's go back to the movie. Um, Jerry's, when Jerry gets kicked out of his highfalutin high rise, he goes off and starts. Uh, he's working with a guy, Cuba Gooden Jr. His, his character's name is Rod Tidwell. 
So he builds this relationship with Rod. Um, and what happens is they, they start working together, but it's a very frictional relationship. And Jerry's trying to do what he said. He's, he said, I'm going to go with fewer clients. He's got one client, and he's sort of a washed-up wide receiver with a bigger head than ability. And that's why he can't get the contract. His problem is he can't get past his own ego to actually enjoy what he's doing. And he is stuck in that. Most agents would probably call him up. And I, I, I could see how this would work. Hey, Rod, um, what's going on? I see your numbers are down. Is there anything I can do for you? Okay, okay, all right. Uh, all right, more money? Yeah, we'll, we'll perform. Okay, bye. That's probably how most big agencies at the time would deal with them. But what actually happens here in the movie is Jerry builds this incredible relationship. It starts off very rocky, but they really build a, um, a, a Karthik um, relationship where they, Jerry gets into it with Rod, and they stop at one point, and Jerry turns around. I probably should have got this clip. But there's a little too much uh, language in it. He's like, man, you know what your problem is? We're, we're friends, right? You said if we're friends, we can actually talk. And Rod's like, right, right, we're, we're, we're friends. He's like, okay, well, here, here's what you need to hear. The reason why you don't have that contract, the reason right here, it's not your ability. It's not your talent. <clears throat> it is the fact that you get out there and you're all about the paycheck. You don't, you don't care about the game. Y'all probably know this being Spurs fans. There's some players out there that probably are more about the paycheck. I'm not going to say any names, Kawhi, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, actually, I don't know. I don't follow Spurs. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, he, 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 he hits them real hard with, you know what your problem is, and here it is. And you know what? It's the thing he needs to hear to get the contract. Rod needs to hear that he needs to go back to why he started playing the game, the love of the game, not the contract. So he's pushing real hard. Rod is pushing. He's frustrated. He's blaming his quarterback. He's blaming his coach. He's blaming everybody but himself. And when he finally hears it from Jerry, and he finally starts to take it under, under advisement, he actually does a great thing. He starts enjoying what he's doing. And he really just gets into it. Um, and so what we're seeing here is that a relationship needed to be built for this whole thing to work, this whole business of athletes and agents. Um, Jerry's idea, his mission statement was actually right. It's kind of funny because this isn't a Christian movie, but it's a very Christian concept. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter four, uh, if I got it right. Oh, did I not write it down right? Oh, no, I did. Four, nine through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Jerry Maguire, Rod Tidwell. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Guess a heater. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, so... You see here, this relationship, it's, it's messy. Jerry tells Rod some really uncomfortable things. I don't know about y'all, I have a hard time sometimes telling people uncomfortable things. Tell it like it is. 
you know what? When you start telling it like it is, life gets a lot easier. You got to be careful about it, though. <laughs> you can overdo it. <laughs> but if you tell it like it is with grace and with tact and pray about it, you know, people, sometimes people need to hear things they don't want to hear. And the way you can do it is say, hey, look, um, Wes, Wes isn't here. I'll give, him, I'll give him the hard thing. Man, that bald head of yours. No. <laughs> I actually, I used to shave my head. I, I love it. But I could, you could say something like this, Star of West. Man, you're my friend. You're my brother. I've been praying about this. And here's what I really feel like I need to tell you. I'm sorry if you take this wrong. Um, and I'd like to talk about it. But here's what I need to tell you. That's a great way to open up a conversation with somebody. If, you, if you're having a hard time building a relationship with somebody, you may want to take that approach. There may be something keeping you from building a relationship. And if you come to somebody and say, and this is even better, hey, man, or, or woman, I, I don't think that I've been very honest with you or I've been uh, working on a relationship as hard as I should have been. Uh, for that, I'm very sorry. I would like to start, start rebuilding our relationship because I really care about you as a father, mother, brother. Can we do that? Can we take some steps? Uh, here's what I, I'd like to tell you. Here's some things that are on my heart, and if there's anything I can do better, please let me know. That's a humble, humble way to come at somebody and build a relationship. Um, going back to Jerry Maguire, Jerry's sitting there. He's still writing. He says, and yet, as I sit here in the wonderful Miami Hilton, I've never been so happy to be alive. I have said later to most anything that required true sacrifice. Later, I will spend a weekend reading real books, not just magazines. Later, I will visit my grandmother, who is 100 and unable to know the difference. Later, I will visit the clients whose careers are over, but of course I promise to stay in touch. Later, 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 later. It's too easy to say later because we all believe our work to be too important to stop. Minute to minute, for something that might interfere with the restless and relentless pursuit of forward motion, of greater success, Make no mistake, I'm a huge fan of success, but tonight I propose a better kind of success. I could be wrong, but if you keep reading and I keep writing, we might get there together. So there's no better day than the day to get started. Building a relationship, doing what's right. Um, so we're talking a little bit about work, and I want to make a segue here. What is the purpose of work? What if, I, this is just open-ended question. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Or what, what's one reason why you work? Income. Sorry? Income. Income. That is right. Would anybody go to a job, eight to five, um, for no money? No, volunteers do it all the time. But they have to have money, right, to do that. So you've got to have money. How do you get money? You work. Um, but a little deeper... Um, you know, there's things you can do with work other than or within the work to, to, um, to provide purpose. I believe glorifying God, that's one thing we can do with, with our work. What we do every day when we come in, we can say to ourselves, am I glorifying God with um, trying to, whatever it is, Ubering people around, you know? Am I glorifying, glorifying God by driving people around the best way I can or how, how does that work? Um, 
one is we use the talents he's given us. If we have a car, if we have engineering capabilities, if we uh, are good with animals, um, if we're a good teacher, uh, no matter what it is, uh, if we're great at taking care of the home and, and children and volunteering at the church, whatever that is, uh, we need to recognize it. And those of you that are younger, and even me, I'm 41, I'm still figuring it out. What very smart people have told me, and I'm starting to realize, is that you're, you're your most effective when you know what you're best at, and you can use that in the workplace and in your relationships. So if you don't know what that is, keep trying different things. It, it's not always apparent when you're done with four years of college or when you get out of high school or whatever it is. It's not always apparent what that is. And so you got to, I think you got to try, try different things. Um, I tried waiting tables. I remember going to people and saying, hey, what do you want for dessert? And they said, we, we haven't gotten our food yet. And I realized, oh no, I'm a horrible waiter. I'm actually very horrible at it. Um, but then again, I've, I've done proposals and engineering projects for Air Force planes. And you know, when I've done that, I've accidentally put on the wrong color socks. So I'm, not, I'm definitely not a fashion model. Um, but there are things I am good at. I'm good at logically putting things together. Um, on paper, drawing things out, uh, wiring things up, writing code, stuff like that. Um, preaching, I can do it, but I'm not going to sit up here and say I'm a, I'm a gifted preacher. Um, I enjoy it when I'm up here, but I think uh, the Lord above that we have Wes. <laughs> um, so work should be enjoyed. That's one thing that uh, I think is very important. If you look at Rod Tidwell and you look at uh, Solomon, Solomon says in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 22, So I saw that there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? There's nothing better for a person to enjoy their work. No matter what it is, if you're a house, housewife, uh, caretaker, um, teacher, engineer, software writer, manager, um, if you're a waiter, papacitos that actually knows how to wait tables, Whatever it is, enjoy it. Um, I, who likes their job? Who, or who likes some things about their job? So to move on, I, I really, I've had a lot of different jobs in my life. And I can tell you, if you're in a job right now that five o'clock hits every day or whenever the end is, and you are just so glad every single day that it's over, Pray to God, because you might need to be there. God won't release you from that job. He may want you to be there for some reason, for a time, but you may want to think about that and pray about it. There's, there's, there's wisdom to um, using your talents to do things uh, that bring you joy as well as bring income. And I do think that uh, John Piper is, is an author who says uh, God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in him. Uh, it's Christian hedonism for those of you who know about him, and I, I kind of, I, I see the, tr I see the, I see what he's trying to say. Doesn't mean that life's going to be all roses and uh, video games, but there is something to be said about enjoying your lot in life, as Solomon says. Um, going back to Jerry, how do we wish to define our lives? So that when we are 60 or 70 or 80 or sinking down in that cool floor of O'Hara Airport with playoff tickets in our pockets, perhaps we too can know that we led a happy life. 
Is it important to be a person and not just a slave to the commerce of professional sport? Do we want to be remembered or do we just want to be the guy who sold the guy who sold shoes that came up with the little pump? Y'all remember those? James Ward isn't here. He would he'd be able to tell you the history. The first year it came out. Uh, that bro has some kicks. And historically, no one successful ever pauses to think that they might tumble like everyone before them who forgot. This whole success cycle dooms the very thing that causes the success in the first place. It puts shutters on the windows of reality. It makes us all forget that monetary success comes from something very pure. It comes from a desire to do well, to make life better, not just to do well with financial regularity. So if you go to work, if you're, you're young and you're not quite sure what you want to do with the rest of your life and you think, I want to make a lot of money, I would ask you to change the question. I've got to spend the rest of my life doing something. What is it that I'm good at? How can I help others? Because when you get in a setting where, when you're working, a lot of times you're working with people, and you got to think of your strengths, and are you working with the right people? If I was working with elementary school kids, I, don't, I, would, I would pray for those kids. <laughs> I love teaching. Okay, I'm a teacher of the kids over there, so don't, <laughs> don't think I don't like that. I enjoy it for an hour a month. <laughs> I really do. Eight hours a day uh, and taking, taking papers home, I don't know. But what I do and how, how I work with people, the people I work with that um, are just clicks, where it's like, wow, this, I've actually helped this person. Or people who don't know how to use Excel, who don't know how to you know, write an equation, who don't know how to logically think of how to write this thing to where it all, it all works. But they're the people that you want going to the customer making that first introduction and say, hey, how are you doing, Andrew? I'm so-and-so, and, -so and I'm, I've got the right solution for you. You know, I can sort of do that, but there's other people that can way pull that off better. And you need those people in business or whatever it is you do, but you also need the people that know Excel. And that's the whole concept of, um, that, that we just talked about, how uh, two are stronger than one. Two play off of each other's strengths. And that's why relationships are important. Relationships are crucial to not just making money and success, although that's mainly what this movie focuses on, but relationships are important because they really um, allow us to live out the life that God has planned for us. Uh, a couple more things before we close. One is um, going after money is not bad. Like I said earlier, there's people I know who have lots of money who are, um, you know, it's, it's not, I don't see the stress in their life that I see other, in other rich people's life. And I see, but I see the fruit, right? I see that they do care about others. They, they do build good relationships. They help others. They actually volunteer. They go on these mission trips or whatever it is that their financial freedom allows them to do. Um, I know people up in Dallas used to go to our church. Um, it's now Chase Oaks. Um, I remember hearing of this one guy, he, you know, in the telecom industry. He, instead of tithing 10%, he tied 90% just because he had so much money he didn't know what to do with it. Not, not really. He, had, he knew what to do with it. He, he felt like God was calling him to really use that money. And with that 10%, he probably had more than us put together. But, you know, <laughs> backwards, uh, backwards tithing, that would be great. Um, some things the Bible does say about money, um, 
Ecclesiastes 11. I'll just run through it real quick. The title in this Bible says, Invest in Many Ventures. The Bible says, Be an Investor. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just the first verse. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Uh, and the second one, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And it, it continues on through this saying, invest, invest. You send the ship across the sea. It's, hey, put this money on a ship. Uh, today it may be, hey, get $3,000. Go, go buy some stuff from uh, Alibaba, whitelist a product, put it on Amazon. You, you may have to dump $5,000 into this, but at the end of the day, you're going to be selling them for, you know, a 10x markup or 8x or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't do this, but I do know people who do. Um, there's one guy I know, he sells, or somebody here told me about it, somebody sells large dog toys. Maybe it's not here. But the guy makes like six figures a month revenue doing this. Um, and I'm like, the guy doesn't have a college degree, but he's putting his money in this ship waiting for these products to come back, and then he's selling them. He's basically running it. Um, that's what um, you can tell everybody. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says, invest your money. It also says you do not know what, what disaster may come up upon the land. So it, it is wise to put money away. It is wise to, do, to be prudent about your money. Um, it also says, uh, Proverbs chapter 12 verse 11 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. So be sensible about it. Work your land. Uh, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. I'm not going to go into it, but you've heard it. Um, Romans 13 says, pay to all what's owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Be an accountant. If you don't have an accountant, be your own accountant. Keep track of who you owe taxes to who you owe money to, be responsible. Um, but how much do we take in? One example is Paul in 2 Corinthians. He said he received what he needed from the Macedonians. He could have went to every single church that he went to, took up a collection, went and did side jobs, collected a lot of money. He could have done that. But he was bringing in X amount of money for the Macedonians and said, this is what I need. And, he, and that, was, that was okay for him. That's what he did. So money in and of itself is not evil. It's the love of money, and it's going after it at all costs. That love of money is what drives people to run agencies like sports agencies, businesses like sports agencies, uh, just about any kind of business into the ground because they, they lose sight of, of the, uh, the, uh, the relationship aspect. The last thing I'm going to go through is you guys. I'm just going to ask some questions. Um, how are your relationships? Are you helping others? Are you, are you being a help? Are you being the two? Do you, can you think of who the two are in your life? Is there somebody else you work with or that you room with or that you are friends with or neighbors with that you can be a help to? Uh, today, Elizabeth helped me help a neighbor. Um, he was scraping popcorn. We went out there for a little bit. Didn't really have much time, but we did it anyways. I was like, hey, this guy, he's my neighbor. I'm going to help him out. Not to toot our horn, but it was like, it was fun, right? Sort of. <laughs> Other than having popcorn fall all over us. Uh, but he was very thankful. You know, these people have little kids. They, they needed help. Um, 
do you know how you can help others? What are your skills, talents? You're a music teacher. You, you can help little kids. Uh, you're a mom. You, you can pick kids up. I know you do it. You pick other people's kids up, tote them around. Uh, you're an engineer. You're a mathematician. Uh, you can help people with their budgets. Uh, somebody asked you a question about, you know, how to um, use Excel or how to write a resume. Y'all can help people with that kind of stuff. Um, evaluate what your idea of money is. Is it a measure of success to you? Is it a status symbol, finish line? Um, or is it a tool that's useful? I believe that money is a tool. It's a, huge, it's a hugely important tool in our lives. It's very important to have money, um, to not be a burden on others, um, or to give to others. It's very important to help, to pay taxes so we can have roads, so we can have uh, schools. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things there. Um, Hebrews 13 said, keep your life free from love of money. Be content with what you have. Uh, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the same way we can have that, that peace that we know God has given us eternal life. He also said, he will never leave us or forsake us. Whatever tunnel we go through, God's going to be there. Um, I'm kind of going through this now, to be honest with you. I, I've been happily employed since I left college in 2000. Um, well, I haven't been an employee for about three years, but I lost one of my big main clients um, a couple months ago that I was consulting with. But we've been praying and thinking about starting doing more engineering work, and it's kind of, we're kind of in between right now. Every month, I don't know how much money I'm going to make. <laughs> and so I'm, re I'm really in it right now. I'm in the, hey, uh, keep your life free from love of money. Well, you know, I know there's sometimes some worry about well, what's this month going to look like, and we got more money owed to us than we have in the bank. Um, there's, there's some scariness there. Uh, but at the same time, I know that God will never leave me or forsake me. Uh, I've got to have faith that he's going to pull through for me. But we're going through it. I can, I can promise you that. And if you're thinking about starting your own business, let me know. I can tell you about where we are, where our heart is, and uh, hopefully we can encourage each other and be the two that help each other. All right. Um, I'm going to read a couple more things. And then we're going to go eat Chick-fil-A, all right? So going back to the end of the mission statement, it says, and now we get to the answer that Dickie Fox, that was his mentor, knew years ago. The answer is fewer clients, less dancing, more truth. We must crack open the tightly clenched fist of commerce and give a little back for the greater good. Eventually, revenues will be the same and that goodness will be infectious. We will have taken our number oneness and turned it into something greater. And eventually, smaller will become bigger in every way, especially in our hearts. Forget the dance. Focus. Learn who these people are. That is the stuff of your relationship. That is what will matter. It is inevitable at our current size to keep many athletes from leaving anyway. People always respond best to personal attention in its simplest and easiest truth to forget. Let the job be the job. You know, that sounds almost like it can be the Bible. It's not. <laughs> but, you know, when I think about Solomon saying everything's meaningless. He actually ends Ecclesiastes. I'll let you read it about what we really should do. Um, and it really just is, I can't remember verbatim, but it's, it's uh, love God follows commandments. It's, it's trusting God. It's very simple. Um, that's the stuff that we need to worry about. And God tells us to build relationships. He tells us these things. He tells us to love our job. Um, we talked earlier about Jeffrey Katzenberg. He was the guy that 
started or uh, his mission statement was the impetus behind um, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Ka Jeffrey Katzenberg, he left Disney three years later. And he, I just, this is just an interesting fact. I thought you might like this. He, he then founded this company, you might have heard it, it's called DreamWorks, with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. And the original company was founded following his resignation from the Walt Disney Company in 94. Uh, he approached Steven Spielberg and David Geffen about forming a live action and animation film studio, which had not been done in decades due to risk and expense. They agreed on three conditions. They would make fewer than nine movies a year, and they would be free to work on other studios if they chose, and they would go home in time for dinner. In an industry that was run by money, these guys said, we're going to do less. And I think everybody here has seen a movie, even me, where the words DreamWorks have come down. And, and this, is, this is, I don't know if these guys are Christian. I don't know what their lives are like. But there's some biblical truth. And if you read the books of wisdom, there's biblical truth in there that, that I think um, it shows up. The results show up. Uh, that's all I had for you guys. I, uh, I'm sorry my voice is gone. Um, but let me pray for us. Um, and, and then we'll go to Chick-fil-A. Sound good? Lord, thank you for today. Um, thank you for Solomon writing from his heart. Uh, just really expressing, letting us read uh, his expression of struggle in his heart about about life in general, but also your answer to that, which is to trust in you, to build relationships, and to look at um, relationships as a good thing for, for how we help each other. Um, thank you for giving us this wisdom about how to, how to view money, jobs, and relationships. It's all, it's all kind of tied together in a very just beautiful way. A very difficult way. It's it's like they say. It's it's dirty. It's a dirty mess. Sometimes being in relationship, uh, it's hard. But but you tell us that you're there with us through it all, uh, and the work through it. Trust in you, uh, Lord. We just pray for those who are still coming back. Again, we just pray for safety on their on their travel. Um, and thank you that you've allowed us as a church to help uh, Puerto Rico, uh, to help those in need and. Um, Lord, just thank you for today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.